comes to preach our children through grade five are invited to attend Children's Church. Good morning. My name's Cody. I'm the senior pastor, and what a privilege it is to get to worship with you, and thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, we're going to begin a new study today in the book of Joshua, and so would you go ahead and open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, and uh, if you're new to the Bible, and maybe you don't have one with you, there's a pew Bible uh, right in that rack in front of you. It's a black one, and I would encourage you to open that up, and I'll give you a shortcut to find Joshua chapter 1. It's on page 184 in your pew Bible. And uh, our normal practice on Sunday mornings is, is we're going to take a passage of Scripture and we're going to study it uh, word for word, verse by verse. And I hope if you're new with us, I hope you will continue to come back and worship with us uh, as we uh, have this journey through the book of Joshua. So Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. I've got good news for you really legitimate good news. The good news is this, is that one day our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming again, and he's going to take his church to be with him, and we will dwell with God forever. We will see him face to face. There will be no more death, no more grief, no more crying, no more pain. That's the good news. That's the promise one day, one day. But for today, Sometimes doesn't it seem we have more death and grief and crying and pain than the day can handle. You see, we hold that promise to be true, and, and we look forward to it. We believe it. But then day by day, it might seem that that promise gets further and further away. And the circumstances of life can lead us sometimes to doubt the promise. In extreme situations, even disbelieve the promise? Have you ever been in that place where life has hit you so hard you think, man, is anything true from God? Are His promises trustworthy? Can I really, really rely on these? And if you've been in that place, then you know a little bit of what Joshua was feeling in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is a fascinating man, lived an incredible life. His life began as a slave in Egypt. He's born there. His birth name wasn't Joshua, it was Hosea. And he's raised a young boy uh, to enslaved parents, an enslaved community in Egypt. And then he was among the many who followed Moses in the Exodus out of Egypt. He walked through the columned waters of the Red Sea with the rest of Israel in that incredible miracle, crossed over the Red Sea to the other side, saw the waters collapse on Pharaoh's army. And as a young man, Joshua proved himself to be pretty remarkable. He was a capable soldier and military leader, and very early on, he became Moses' most trusted assistant, so much so that Moses changed his name from Hosea to Joshua. The name Joshua means God is salvation. Every time he heard that name, he's reminded God is salvation for you and for his people. 
And so Joshua uh, walked faithfully alongside Moses and, and went with Moses and all of Israel to the border of the promised land. God took them out of Egypt and set them on a trajectory for this piece of property that he was giving them. And so one day they pull up to the southern border of the promised land and Moses chose 12 spies to go in and check it out. Joshua was one of those 12 spies. They went in, they came back, and all 12 spies had the same report. This land is incredible, and it is filled with warrior people. Ten of those spies said, we can't do anything about it. It's a death sentence if we go in, we can't go in. And two of those spies, Joshua and his buddy Caleb, they said, God has given us this land. We have no option but to go in and take it. But Israel faltered, and they refused to take the promise that God extended to them. As a result, God judged his people. He said, this whole generation, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and you're all going to die outside the promised land. Only two of you are going to enter. That's going to be Joshua and Caleb. So we get to the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Joshua, excuse me, Moses dies. The dirt on his grave is not even compacted yet. And we open to the book of Joshua. And here we find Joshua filled with weakness and fear. Moses is dead. He's now the new leader of this really stubborn group of people. They're back at the border of the promised land. First time they did it, they failed. This time they've got a raging river between them and the promise of God. And once they get across that river and into the land, it's still filled with the same angry warrior people. And, Mo and Moses couldn't get this done. How's Joshua going to get it done? We meet a man fearful and weak in the opening lines of this book. And what we find there in Joshua is also true of us. I mean, think of all that Joshua had seen. He had seen the miracles. He had obeyed the Lord when others hadn't. Uh, he, he had seen God do amazing things, and still here he is afraid at the border of the promised land. And the same is true for you. We are a room full of Joshua's, weak and fearful for many different reasons. God had something to say to Joshua, and he's got something to say to you. What does God say to his weak and fearful servants? Now, my purpose in preaching this passage today is to open your ears to the voice of God. I want you to hear God clearly today so that you'd be encouraged and strengthened in whatever you're facing until the day you hold his promise in your hands forever. And in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, we have two things that God says to his weak and hurting people. Follow along with me as I read Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. 
No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You need to hear that today? Joshua had to hear it on that day. We have to hear it this day. God is speaking to weak and fearful servants. And what does he have to say? Our passage breaks down neatly into two different paragraphs. And in each of those paragraphs, God has one thing he wants to say to us. So what is God saying to us? Two things this morning. The first thing God says is this. God speaks his commitment to us. When a servant of the Lord, a child of God, stands before him weak and afraid, do you know what God says? He says, I'm committed to you. And this whole scene begins in a really incredible way. And it's important that you recognize who is the speaker in this passage. Who, who gets all the speaking parts in verses 1 to 9? It's God. Not Joshua. Joshua didn't pray. Joshua didn't seek the Lord. He, he didn't go and ask God for help. Joshua didn't find God. God found Joshua, and he found him in his weakness and in his fear. God not only is the only speaker, he's the first speaker, and I don't think that's any small thing, that God takes the initiative. He sees Joshua in all of his struggles, and God bends to him to encourage him and to lift him up. This passage is overflowing with the compassion and the grace of God. And throughout the Bible, this is how God works. He comes to broken people. He dwells with fearful people. He hears groaning people. He's near to brokenhearted people. And have you experienced that before, brother and sister Christian? I mean, can, can you remember a moment when you were at the end of yourself and that was the place where God found you. And you heard the voice of God. God's voice is crystal clear in all of our suffering. It's amplified whenever our hearts are broken. God speaks even when we're silent. And he's always been this way. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. When we don't know what to pray, God the Holy Spirit prays for us. This is always how God has been. The first speaker, the primary speaker, the one who speaks grace and compassion to his hurting children. Now this first paragraph of God's speech to Joshua, it contains only one piece of instruction to Joshua, but that instruction is meant to reiterate God's commitment to him and to his people. And so that one little piece of instruction is in verse 2. Look at it. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan. It's a really big deal that Moses is dead. 
It's important that you feel the weight of this moment in order to uh, recognize sort of the, the stress that Joshua is under. So you really need to get a, a grasp for the greatness of Moses. Here's what I want you to do. Just flip one page to the left in your Bible to the very end of the book of Deuteronomy. Very end of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. It'll be here on the screen too. I want you to hear how Moses is described at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 34, verse 10. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt and for all the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. That's Moses. He's a huge deal. Joshua is no Moses. And so can you imagine the dismay in Israel among all of these people? Look, although they expected Moses' death, although they were informed of it and prepared for it all the way back in Deuteronomy 31, what do you do when the servant of God dies and this raging river lies between you and the promised land? What do you do when all the promises of the first five books of the Bible end with a funeral? Moses is gone. Joshua doesn't stand before God pounding his chest saying, I got this. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's not Joshua. He's weak and he's afraid. He's me and you. And so God speaks his commitment to Joshua. He knows what Joshua needs to hear in this moment, that God is with him. And so he tells him, get ready to enter the promised land. In other words, God's promise didn't die with Moses. The promise that originated with Abraham that was renewed to Moses is once again renewed to Joshua as the new leader of Israel. And God is reminding Joshua of his commitment to his promise. The promise didn't depend on Moses. It depends on God. He's committed to his people and he's going to keep his promise to them. And so then, having put a tiny spotlight on Joshua in verse 2, the rest of the verbs belong to God in this paragraph. And he begins to highlight all the ways he is committed to his people. Look with me, verse 2. He says, you're going to prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land. I am giving the Israelites. Not the land they're taking, the land God is giving. He's the actor here. Verse 3, I have given you every place your foot treads. Also verse 3, this is just as I promised Moses. In verse 5, he says, no one will be able to stand against you. Why is that? Is that because of their advanced weaponry or their military strategery? Is that what's going to get the job done for Israel? Absolutely not. No one's going to stand against them because the Lord is their protector. It is his commitment to his people. Again, also in verse 5, I will be with you. Also in verse 5, I will not leave you or abandon you. Over and over again, God hits these notes of his commitment to his people. Joshua is trembling at an unknown tomorrow. And God says, I am with you, Joshua. You've got everything that you need. How incredible is God? So gentle and so compassionate with Joshua and with us. 
he bends himself to Joshua to make sure that he understands God is committed to him and to his people. You see, God knows something about the human condition. He knows that when we experience the darkness of this fallen world, we might assume that it is because God has abandoned us. So over and over again, God reassures his people that he will not leave them. God's presence with us today uh, doesn't mean that we're inoculated from pain. It doesn't mean that hard days will never come our way, but rather it means you will outlast every temporary sorrow. God's going to get you all the way home because he's committed to you. He loves you. He knows you by name. He's ordered your steps. He knows you're trembling and he knows the victory to come and he will not leave you or abandon you. He will not let you down. And Jesus himself gave us this reassurance at the end of the book of Matthew. The last words from the mouth of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He doesn't leave you. In your weakness, he doesn't abandon you. In your fear, he doesn't say, I'm done with this one. I got to find someone else. He stays. He's with you. Brother and sister Christian, when your life is disoriented, when you are weak and afraid, you need to hear the voice of God reminding you of his commitment to you. A lot of times we're worried about our commitment to God. If I'm super committed to God, maybe he'll do something good for me. That's not the way God's economy works. He's the first speaker, the first mover, the first actor. He loves you first, and he's committed to you. He'll never leave you or abandon you. You're unfaithful. He's faithful. And if you ever wonder if this is really true, all you have to do is look at the cross. Look at the cross. And if God the Father loved you enough to give his one and only son to die in your place for your sin, how could you ever doubt his commitment to you? So when you're afraid, when you're weak, God lifts you up by reminding you he's committed to you. He will not let you go. So what does God say to us in our weakness, in our fear? He says, I'm committed to you. But there's a second thing he says in the second paragraph of this speech. And that's God speaks his requirements of us. So on the first hand, God says, I'm committed to you. And then God says, all right, now you're going to come with me. I, I have a requirement of you. I need you to come with me in this way. So verse 6 begins with a power phrase. Look at it. Be strong and courageous. And, and that command gets repeated three different times. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And then a fourth time it's stated in the negative. Don't be afraid or discouraged. So this one paragraph is swimming in this admonition to be strong and courageous. But here's what you got to know about strength and courage. They are byproducts. Not prime products. You, you can't just muster up strength and courage of the omni variety. Now you can. You, we, we can muster up something that we would call this is strength, this is courage. It's not going to get the job done. The kind of strength and courage that God has for Joshua is a strength and courage 
from sources outside of himself. Every time in this paragraph, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. He also names a source, a different source of strength and courage. I mean, what good would it be if if God said to someone who was afraid, stop being afraid, (laughs) rub some dirt on it, get over it. That's that's just not going to work. And God knows this, and so he says, be strong and courageous, and here's where that comes from. God names three sources of strength and courage. Two of those come from God, and one of them is from something Joshua himself will do. Let me show them to you real quick. So in verse 6, God says, be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. So in this first instance, Joshua can be strong and courageous because God will keep his promise. He's faithful to his word. It's God's faithfulness to his promise that's going to put Joshua in the position to distribute the land. That's all going to come to fruition because of God's faithfulness. So Joshua can be strong and courageous because God's faithful. He doesn't tell lies. He doesn't give broken promises. He does what he says he's going to do. Second is in verse 9. The second source of strength and courage from God. In the middle of verse 9, God says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this is God's presence as another source of strength and courage. When God is with us, Who's going to stand against us? What do we have to be afraid of when God is with us? I have this vivid memory from my middle school years. My brother Rory is a year younger than me. And we had to walk to school, you know, uphill both ways in the snow, all of that. But we walk into school and I I remember vividly um, the early days of this one school year, we turned down the street that's going to take us to our school and there's a, a group of older teenagers who are of the more rough variety hanging out at the end of the street. And my first thought is, oh, well, we can walk 12 miles out of the way to get to school safely. Because I'm smarter than Rory. I'm a better athlete. I have better hair. I'm, but he's meaner than me. A lot meaner. And he's not backing down. So he just keeps walking, and I keep walking with him. And then me and Rory, we walked past the, the rough kids. They didn't care about us, and we went to school. And every time I had Rory by my side, we just walked that way, and I didn't have any fear because Rory's like a pit bull. He's going to fight, and he might go down, but he's going down swinging, and I can run fast, and I'm going to run away, and we're going to be okay. So with Rory by my side, I've got this strength and courage I wouldn't have by myself. Now, imagine when the one greater than Rory, a line I never thought I'd say in a sermon, the one greater than Rory is by your side. What strength and courage is yours when God is with you? It's a big deal. Because we face situations that are terrifying. And in those moments when we don't understand how it's all going to play out, we just have to know, God, are you here? God, are you with me? Because if you are, we're going to get through this. And God says over and over again, I'm with you wherever you go. So these are sources of strength and courage, things that God does. But there's one more source of strength and courage from what Joshua is going to do. And that comes in the middle of these two God sources. It's in verses 7 and 8. And that's going to be Joshua's obedience. Look at what verse 7 says. 
above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You're to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. He's supposed to be strong and very courageous to obey. God didn't say be strong and courageous to fight. Be strong and courageous to to take on the enemy. He said be strong and courageous to obey. And sometimes it takes real courage to obey the word of God. A great example of this is in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. The wicked king Nebuchadnezzar makes a law that when the music plays in Babylon, everyone is to bow before the golden statue he has set up. The music plays, everyone eats the ground in homage to this image that Nebuchadnezzar has had built, except for three boys, three Hebrew boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you remember this story. They refuse to bow. Why? Not because they're troublemakers, but because they know what God requires of his people. And commandment number one is you shall have no other gods before me. So they stand and they're drugged before the king and he threatens to execute them by burning them alive. And do you remember how they responded to that threat in Daniel chapter 3 starting in verse 17? If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Takes courage to obey. They don't know God's circumstantial will, but they know his revealed will. They know what the Lord requires of them in this moment. So they are strong and very courageous to obey the Lord. And you must do the same. And Joshua was commanded to do the same as well. It takes strength and courage to obey the Lord when life is crushing you from every side. Often we'll be tempted to use our sorrows and our disappointments as reasons for turning our backs on God or indulging our flesh. But that's the cowardly way. The way of strength and courage is the way of obedience. It's going to take strength and courage to love your neighbor as yourself, especially when they have competing political yard signs to yours. It is weak and cowardly to despise them. It'll take strength and courage to forgive as you have been forgiven. It is weak and cowardly to hold on to bitterness. It'll take strength and courage to discipline your eyes and mind not to lust. It is weak and cowardly to commit mental adultery. It'll take strength and courage to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Strength and courage to love your enemies. Strength and courage to honor God with your possessions. Strength and courage to not worry about your life. Strength and courage to worship even when your heart is broken. And what does that strength and courage look like? There's all kinds of peddlers of strength and courage in our culture today. If you're an adult man, you are a 
target demographic for strength and courage. And someone is always telling you something to tell you that it's going to look like muscles and, and I don't, a, a cold plunge and some sort of grit. And I, I don't know what all. And that's fine. But people who follow Jesus know what strength and courage truly look like. Real strength means laying down your life. And real courage means being able to pray, not my will, but your will be done. So when we are weak and afraid, God gives us strength and courage through our obedience to his good and life-giving word. He has requirements of us in this moment of chaos and disorientation and your lack of knowledge of what's going to happen tomorrow, here and now, here's my requirement. We know what the Lord requires of us walk in obedience with him then we prosper then we succeed we think uh, prosperity and success comes to the resolution of our hardship but God says while it's yet unresolved here now you can flourish and be blessed like a tree planted by waters so here we are in the opening lines of Joshua and God has something to say to servants who are weak and fearful God speaks his commitment to you And he speaks his requirement of you. He says, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. Now I need you to walk with me in this way. He doesn't speak disappointment or anger or frustration or judgment. But he speaks with compassion and grace so that we will receive what he has promised us. Imagine with me that this story is a little bit different that instead of God speaking directly to Joshua, God recruits you as his messenger. And he says, hey, you from the year 2023, I want you to take all your knowledge of Joshua and the rest of the Bible. I'm going to transplant you in front of Joshua, and I want you to encourage this guy. What would you say? Joshua, buddy, you got no reason to be afraid. I, I've seen how this story goes. You see that river? Boom. It's going to part. You, you've experienced that once before. It's going to happen again. And you're going to walk across that. And you see that fortified city in the distance called Jericho? Those walls? They're coming down. All you're gonna, I'm just telling you, Joshua, it's incredible what God's going to do. And, and all this is going to happen because God is with you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Have courage. Be strong because God's with you, Joshua. And he's going to create for himself a kingdom of priests here that are going to multiply his blessings to all nations. And one day, someone greater than you is going to come. He's got a name real close to yours. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. His name also means God is salvation. And he's going to rescue his people once and for all. Joshua, it's going to be okay. That's the kind of speech we might give to Joshua. Now change your place in the story. You are Joshua. Is that speech good enough for you today? Because it's all still true. God's going to get you to the other side. He's going to get you to that promised new heavens and new earth. What do you have to be afraid of? What enemy, what thing is going to rise up that's going to knock God off of his throne? There's nothing that's coming. Brothers and sisters, be strong and courageous in the Lord. We have nothing to fear because God is with us. Christ is for us. And your heart has to believe that today.
and tonight you're going to go to sleep, and tomorrow you're going to wake up, and your reservoir of courage might be really low. And do you know how you feel that again? By once more hearing the voice of God. How will you hear the voice of God? The number one way, the primary way, the essential way we hear the voice of God is through his word to us. This book of his commands and blessings and glory and love. And so if it is not already your practice, I want to challenge you for the next seven days. I want to challenge you to read the Bible for 15 minutes every day. 168 hours in a week, I'm asking you to give the voice of God an hour and 45 minutes. Can you do that? Turn off your phone and the TV and just sit listening to the voice of God and let Him speak courage and strength to you every day. Every day that you... You're not as strong as you think you are. You need this every day. Day. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you out at the welcome desk. I want you to grab one on your way out. Every day this week, the next seven days, I challenge you, sit with God for 15 minutes if that's not already your practice. And you will hear his voice, his commitment, and his requirement of you. Now in Mark chapter 5, we find the story of a man named Jairus. His daughter is deathly ill, and in his desperation, he goes looking for Jesus, the healer, and he finds him. And as he's describing to Jesus the desperation of his situation, his servants arrive from his home, and they say, Master, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? It's another Joshua moment. He stands before Jesus as weak and terrified as a human being can be, naked in his grief and helplessness. And Jesus speaks first. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus said, Don't be afraid, only believe. And Jesus walked him to his house. And raised his daughter to life again. Joshua, Jairus, you and me, weak and fearful people, made strong and courageous by the God who speaks. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you don't, I want to talk to you for just one quick moment. You have to know that God is speaking to you this morning as well, but it's a different kind of speech. This one is an invitation. It's a call. He doesn't call you before him so he can review your resume and say, all right, you've done enough good and you've missed enough bad uh, to earn my favor. He calls you before him, invites you to him, and he bends himself to you to say, I know all your sin, I know all the brokenness, I know all the mess up, and I love you. And I'm going to clean you up. And so his invitation to you is this, is, is that you would trust in him. Even though you don't deserve this salvation, you don't deserve this forgiveness, you can't earn it, he has it to give to you. Here's his commitment to you. It's seen in that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who is not some man chosen by God. He is God with flesh on. He is 100% man, 100% God. 
And he died in your place for your sin. He's sinless, the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice for our sin. And so when he died on the cross, he died in your place, a death that you deserve for your crimes against God. But because he loves you, he took that punishment himself. And three days after he died and was buried, he rose again from the dead. And that means his promise to you is true and trustworthy. That if you will turn from your sin and you'll trust in him, you'll be saved. You'll know fully God's commitment to you. You'll live in in line with God's requirement. You will flourish and prosper in God's grace and compassion. And today he invites you to come to him. He speaks that call to you. Would you, friend, today give your life to Jesus Christ so that you would never again have to walk in fear and weakness, but you could know that God who speaks is your God as well. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you because who's like you? Who loves us first, who speaks first, who shows compassion and grace to us in our weakness and fear? There's no one like you. And so, Father, I pray this morning for my my brothers and sisters uh, who stand before you trembling today, unknown tomorrows, fears of old still holding on, Lord, may they hear your voice in that weakness. May they experience your compassion and your grace, your kindness to them again. Lord, lift them and strengthen them by the strength that is yours, by the courage that you have to give. Father, may the watching world see us as we walk with you and trust you. God, I pray for friends in here that don't know you as their Savior. God, bring salvation even this day that they've been walking to the cross for so long. Let this be the moment they hear your call and they say yes. But for the one in here that it's not their day, not their time, Lord, impress upon them your call, your love, your voice. Let it echo in their hearts until they say yes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing in celebration to the one who